So today, I want to talk about a good Christmas choice. How many knows that we can make a good choice? Everybody say choice this morning. And listen, not what sort of gift that perhaps you're going to get a loved one, because if you buy that new coffee maker or get a coffee maker and you put that on your list, that'll wake you up a few mornings, uh, 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 you know, the here and there. But listen, if you have an encounter with Jesus, that'll open your eyes for eternity. Amen. So I want to talk today about the choice that we can choose this Christmas, because this is the time where we're making those lists and we're checking them twice and all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth, right? Anybody else? You guys are too young for that, I guess. But we do, we check those lists, we check them twice. But what is on your list today going into Christmas season? Really why this was on my heart is actually something my wife and I were talking about heading into Christmas season because how many know, especially young families in here, I know we have quite a few, you can get so caught up in all the hustle, the bustle, the busyness, and all the things that we think go into Christmas that we actually miss the meaning of Christmas. We actually miss what God would like to do in the season. And I don't want you to, to, to not catch heading into this season that the Jewish people had literally been waiting hundreds of years for the Messiah. And they were waiting in relative darkness and no word from God. We know from the end of Malachi all the way up to Luke 2 that we're going to look at today that it was dark. It was difficult times. They had been conquered by the Roman people. They had been basically subjected to to slavery, really, because when somebody else conquers you and they're going to take all your money and take all your gold and treasure, you can't put it into your culture and society that goes back to Rome. So I don't want you to miss the season before the Christmas day that we'll celebrate the light of the world coming into the world is a season that we're really supposed to be more reflective on what God did. In other words, if we don't kind of sit in the silence leading up to Christmas day, we can sometimes miss some of the things God wants to do in our lives. And I'm telling you, what I would like to see the people of God do that belong to this church is to choose some things this Christmas that are far better than any gift and far better than any any party or far better than even gathering with your friends and family, even though that's a celebration that God loves as we celebrate him and his goodness. But I really want to focus our attention right here at the beginning of Christmas season. And I know the next four Sundays, including Christmas Eve, that we'll gather together on Christmas Eve. we got some great things planned, some great music, some things like that. But I just wanted to, for us to take our attention off of what we consider the busyness of the season, and really focus it on what really matters. And that's Him, y'all. Amen? Amen. It's focusing it on Him. And this Christmas, I would really like to see you choose peace. Everybody say peace. Peace. Y'all, we live in a world that is without peace. We live in a world that we look around and there's diplomats trying to make peace. There's, uh, There's countries that are at war and we're trying to get in the middle and everybody's calling for peace and all that. But church, this morning, I want you to understand more than anything else I say that peace isn't found in your circumstances. Peace is found in a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so as we look at Luke 2 and the announcement of of the peace on earth and goodwill to men, I want you to catch a few things today. Because all throughout the Bible in the Old Testament, we know that they had prophesied that Jesus would be born of a virgin, that he would be born in the town of Bethlehem, that he would 
be the prince of peace. He would, the government would rest upon his shoulders. All these prophecies, even 500 years before Jesus is born, they're prophesying that he would be born of a virgin. And in other words, when this announcement is made here in Luke 2, it's like all of heaven is saying, God done did what God said he would do. Amen? And as we focus on that in this season, I think it will bless your family and really help your family to really keep focused on what God desires to give you rather than make a list and check it twice and, and try to find those perfect gifts is to have an attitude this Christmas season that you can actually choose joy. You can actually choose peace. You can actually choose the things that God sent his son to give us rather than getting caught up in all this stuff. Amen. Look at Luke 2, verse 14 with me. And we're going to read this one verse, and then I've got some other verses that I want to share with you this morning. But everybody everybody say peace. peace. How many would say you need a little peace in your life? Amen. Amen. I think in the world we live in, it can be really difficult to keep our hearts focused on God. Verse, four, uh, verse 14 in Luke 2. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So we see a celebration in heaven and a proclamation on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. Paul picks up the same theme in Ephesians 2, verses 14 through 17, when he says, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making Peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity, and he came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who were near. So Jesus came and preached peace. Let's pray today. Father, while we're gathered together under your name and your kingdom for such a time as this, and we've come together to celebrate you and to lift up that name, I pray today. Lord, as I always do, that anything said of Jason Hanks would fall by the wayside. But Lord, what is said under the unction and anointing of the Holy Spirit, I pray that this wouldn't be a sermon, but God, it would be a tangible peace that finds its way into our hearts. Lord, where the world is so dark and difficult and we see so many challenges and so many things going on, Father, we're reminded today to lift our eyes for our redemption draws near. That, God, we can literally be distinctive people because we can keep our peace. We can keep our peace with you and we can keep our peace on the inside. No matter what breaks out around us, Father, we know that, Lord, you said that we could have the peace of God. That it would pass all understanding and would guard our hearts and guard our minds. So, Father, today I pray that as this word goes forth, that peace would find its way into our life. Father, we love and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we live in a world, obviously, that's constantly seeking peace. We have peace conferences. We have peace treaties. We have diplomats that are constantly trying to figure out how they can cause peace and bring people together. Married couples struggle to find peace in their relationships or in their homes. And we live in a day where we literally live in locked houses behind alarm systems and locked doors and it's interesting because we as american people make up six percent of the world population and we have 43 percent of the world's wealth which is about 173 trillion dollars as america six percent of the population 43 percent of the wealth 
but we consume 80% of the world's pain medicine and tranquilizers. Which tells us something in our society that if peace was found in your job or your money or in any of those type of things, then we would be the most peaceful people on the face of the earth. But if you look around you, what do we see? We see riots. We see people fighting with each other. We see people at enmity with each other. And all the things happening in our society isn't because we're without anything other than the prince of peace ruling in our marriages, ruling in our homes, ruling in our culture, ruling in our, in our uh, cities and little towns all across this country. Because we are people, you even see churches that are divided in chaos. You see people that are divided in chaos. We are a painfully uptight people. Would you agree with that this morning? And this pastor's heart as if we were sitting around a table this morning just having a cup of coffee and talking about the goodness of the Lord and what he would like to do in our lives and hearts for your family this coming Christmas season. I don't want you to miss this one simple thing. A lot of times we don't know that we can actually choose joy. We can choose peace. We can choose those things because we don't really understand. And this is my heart this morning is to teach you from the word of God what true peace really is. Anybody want to hear what true peace is? Because somewhere along the way we have found ourselves in pursuit of peace. But oftentimes we don't even understand what biblical peace is. If you don't know what it is, you may find it and not know you have it, right? If you don't know what peace is, you may already have it and not realize it. And I want you to identify the areas of peace and identify the areas of stress and turmoil. Because church, peace is not predicated upon your circumstances this morning. Peace is predicated on the presence of a person and his name is Jesus Christ. So everybody in this room that follows Jesus, and if you don't, you'll have the opportunity to do that before the day's over. But everybody in this room that follows, follows Jesus, I want you to know that peace is something that is a tangible presence of God that we can invite into our lives and we can actually choose peace. Everyone wants peace, but what is it? We desire love, we desire joy, we desire a promotion at work, we desire prosperity, we desire fame and beauty. But can I tell you something this morning? Anybody that has experienced those things of the prosperity and the fame and the beauty and the things that culture seeks after, without peace, it doesn't mean anything. We can all open the paper or open up uh, social media and see the horrible stories of somebody that seems to have it all actually chooses to end their own life. I remember a few years ago opening my news feed one day and the lady who literally uh, started a, a fashion empire and made purses and all this kind of stuff and designed purses and was worth over $1.2 billion decided to end her life. And the reason that they, people do that is because they don't have peace. So Jesus' birth begins with announcement, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. The psalmist declared that there was great peace for those who love God's law, which is, of course is his word. But what is peace? Before we get to what it is, I want to tell you what it isn't. Peace is not the absence of strife or conflict. Peace is not the absence. We think that peace is the absence of difficulties, trials, strife, and conflicts. When Jesus gave the great Magna Carta of his kingdom, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers. And that's an interesting statement there because he was talking to a conquered people. 
He was, when this announcement is made, don't miss, because we can look back and say, yeah, they just had it easy. They were shepherds in a field, and they were just had this peaceful, non-strife, easy life. You have to put yourself in the mindset of the people he's announcing this to, that, that, that peace is now coming, is they were under the Roman occupation. They were stolen from, their backs were literally broken. And here's what I want to point out. They had lost their will to fight. And listen, there are people that are here today, and you, your marriage isn't healed. You've just lost the will to fight. Are you hearing me? In other words, sometimes we think peace is just because you removed yourself from the situation, or you removed from yourself from those people. And peace is not the absence of strife and conflict completely on the opposite spectrum. Peace is the presence of a person in your heart and in your life. The reason I bring this up, what peace isn't, is we think peace is some kind of a blue lagoon tranquility and everything's just perfect and fine. Listen, we think that if we could just get away from enough people, then anxiety would stop, right? Those people that cause me anxiety, that situation or that job or that boss or fill in the blank this morning. But folks, I want to point out, that there's never an area of life that we can ever get away from risk and responsibility. Everybody say risk, risk. And, responsibility. and responsibility. There's no play. We think that, okay, if pastor's going to preach on peace, then I need to cut off. And maybe you do need to cut off a relationship that's toxic. That may be keeping things stirred up. There's time and a place for that. But if we're always just trying to separate ourselves from people that we think disturb our peace, then guess what the enemy's going to do? He's just going to keep putting people in your path and in your life until we learn that it's not based upon our circumstances, it's based on Him this morning. Amen? Amen. That is not what biblical peace is. Peace is not the guarantee of security or the absence of adversity and pressure. The type of peace that the world may find as peace does not exist. The world is seeking peace Because they think it's a blue lagoon tranquility. And if you know what peace really is, then you're not looking in the wrong places for it. The type of peace the world may find does not exist. Because for it to exist, Jesus would have to deny his own words in John chapter 16 when he said, In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Amen? So we don't retreat from the world. But in the midst of trials and tribulations, we are to have a certain disposition. I think oftentimes we think, okay, we're going to separate ourselves from people or we're going to, we're going to separate ourselves from this situation and that is finally going to bring me the peace that I'm looking for. Maybe even some of you are in a marriage uh, that you're thinking, ah, if we just get away from each other, then peace will stop. Listen, I've counseled enough people with trouble in their marriage to understand wherever you go, honey, there you are. Yeah. Uh, you, you hear me this morning. Because it's always the other person. And listen, if, if, if the world views peace as the lack of strife and difficulty, but we as Christians have the word of Jesus that says, look, in this world, you're going to have trials, tribulations, difficulties, and things that are trying to move in on you to do one thing, and that's to steal your peace. It, listen, some of you are like, I just got to have peace. The only place you're going to find true peace is in the cemetery, and I ain't ready to go there yet, y'all. Anybody else with me? i got a few more years in me. That's what we think if we can just get away. So what is peace? When the Bible teaches peace, and catch this, it teaches peace in two ways. The first is in an objective way. Everybody say objective. objective. In other words, the Bible talks about having peace with God. 
And then the Bible talks about peace in a subjective way. Everybody say subjective. The reason that's important is because the objective peace with God is based on a person. It's based on something immovable. It's based on something unchanging. It's based on, you know, when you came to God, maybe for me it was 26 years ago when I gave my heart to the Lord. Listen, He hasn't changed any in those 26 years. Our peace with God is objective, but we're looking for subjective peace before we ever handle the objective peace. When the Bible teaches peace, it's talking about the peace with God and the peace of God. When you're talking about something being objective, it's not moved by what I think or what I feel. If it's objective, then it's not moved by what I think or my circumstances or whatever's going on in my life in that moment. It's objective. And the Bible teaches that peace with God is an objective truth. Now watch this real quick. It is possible to be at peace with God and you not even feel it. Are you hearing me this morning? As a matter of fact, if you live by what you feel like, you'd be robbed of what you've already obtained. Then he talks about the peace of God. Say peace of God again. Listen, peace with God has everything to do with our relationship The peace of God has to do with our experiences on an everyday level. So the objective and the subjective truth of God's word that we see in God's word is that we can have peace with God. And that is not predicated upon a feeling. It is predicated on the truth of God's word that when you're finally at peace with God, then the subjective reality is that now that I'm at peace with God, now that I'm right with him, now that I have a relationship with him, the subjective circumstances that I find in my life every single day can be impacted by having the peace of God. In church, heading into the Christmas season, we don't think of Christmas time as a time of peace, but the angel clearly said that he has come that we would have peace. How do I learn how to maintain? If, 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 if my peace with God is in alignment, then I should be experiencing the peace of God in my circumstances. And how can this peace be maintained? Because I don't know about you, but I allow too many of the circumstances in my life steal my peace, Amen. steal my joy, steal something from me. And that's the reason the enemy always comes, church, is to kill, steal, and destroy. Yes. And we oftentimes just think that in the area of, well, he wants to take something from me. Don't let him take your peace this Christmas. Amen? Amen. Don't get your eyes so focused on everything going on in your life or everything going on in the world that you forget to choose peace. Because the peace with God is the producer. Listen to me. The peace with God is what is the producer of peace of God. Does that make sense this morning? Some of you are anything but peaceful. You came into this room and you say, man, I've got so much turmoil and so many things going on in my life. Pastor, I have no peace. Let me tell you what the secret is. You make peace with God and then the peace of God. And listen to me. It is not, it is not about your circumstances. It's not about those things. It literally is a choice sometimes to say, I'm going to believe God's word over what is happening directly in in front of me. And when you do that, then the peace of God, as it says in the scripture, can guard your heart and guard your mind. I'm going to give you five quick things this morning regarding the peace of God. If you're taking notes, here's number one. Peace is the product of being reconciled to God. Amen? It's the result. It's the outcome, it's the consequence, if you will, of being reconciled to God. So, 
what I'm about to say may cause maybe some gasps in the room today, but listen to me for just a second. When you came into the world, you came in, and oftentimes we think, well, when kids are born, they're basically good, and when kids are born, they really, you know. Listen, I didn't have to teach my kids to lie, y'all. Come on, anybody else? I didn't have to teach my kids to take something from one of their siblings. I didn't have to teach them that. Because when you really understand our true condition is we are born with a sin nature. Does anybody, everybody understand that today? But here's the issue. This is why we don't have peace with God. Because our human carnal nature that every single one of us was born with is at enmity with God. So you're born into already having enmity with God. There's no peace when you're not at peace with God. There's no fulfillment. There's no joy. There's, we chase after all these things. We chase after, you know, and I'm not against therapists and all that kind of stuff. But listen, if self-help was going to help the people of God, we'd be the most healthy people in the world. Amen. But it's not about self-help this morning. The number one thing I want you to know that if you don't have the subjective peace of God in your life, it could be because you're not at peace with God. Amen. Because we're born into this world, and listen to me, we're born into a sin nature. Look, nobody had to train you how to be deceptive, amen? Nobody had to train you how to be selfish. Nobody had to train you how to tell lies. Why? Because it's part of the fallen nature of man. So the angel shows up and there's a celebration in heaven, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And then when Jesus can speak for himself uh, 30 years later, he says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. Now, record scratch. What? Now, Jesus, I thought you... In other words, Houston, we got a problem, right? The angel said he came to bring peace on earth and good wood swords men. And Jesus, you came to bring a sword. Listen, what does a sword do? A sword divides and it separates. And can I suggest to everybody here today, since Jesus entered the world, everything in the universe divides over Jesus Christ. Everything in the universe divides over Him. Accept Him or reject Him. Listen, there's nobody almost saved or almost into heaven. You're either saved by the grace and mercy of God or you're on the other side. Jesus came to bring a sword because He was showing up saying, I came to bring peace, but you've got to choose the peace of God by making yourself right with God through faith in Christ. We're either in the... Kingdom of light or we're in the kingdom of darkness. It separates. Jesus comes and he says, this is what I do. We've talked about these over the last few months. The wheat from the tares. The sheep from the goats. The broad way from the narrow way. Jesus came to separate truth from lies. So you are either a servant of Jesus Christ or a slave to sin this morning. There is no in-between place. Because why? Because he not only came to bring peace and offer us peace with God and break down that middle wall as Ephesians talked about that separated us from God. But this is the good news. Here it is. Jesus is the peacemaker. Listen, Jesus satisfied the conditions for the war to be over. Romans 5.1 Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. The objective peace that turns into subjective peace. Peace is the gift of God to those who give their life over to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. All other peace is a temporary peace. Amen? Amen. For all of us, the price of peace has to be understood. Peace has a price tag. 
Amen? Here it is. You want to know the price tag to peace in your life? It is total submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The price tag of peace. Peace has been won because of what Jesus did. The Bible clearly says. So number one today, as, as I already mentioned, is so important because it is, we first need to focus on our relationship with God. And I want to say this too. Stop blaming everybody else around you for your problems. Amen? Can I, can I be that bold this morning to say that? Because we are bad about that. We, listen, we do this all the way back to Adam, right? Adam did this. Here's what Adam said. Adam said, I'm guilty, so it's her fault. You guys see that? But think about this. Jesus is the second Adam, amen? Though innocent, he said, don't blame my wife, blame me. That's the gospel. First Adam, he wanted to blame. Second Adam deserved no blame, church, but he took the blame for his Wife. First Adam blamed his wife. And church, if you want to keep peace in your life, quit blaming everybody else for what's going on. Take some responsibility for the path that maybe you've gone down. And get right with God this morning. And that objective peace that you, by the word of God, know is true, will filter down into the the living peace that you'll experience every single day. So number one is just make peace with God because he's the author and finisher of our faith, but also the author and the filler of peace in our life. Number two today, peace is the fruit of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Peace is the fruit. Lee and I have fruit in our lives of two children because we have an intimate relationship with one another. Many of you in this room have, have had fruit of relationship of intimacy with, with your spouse. And that produced something in your life. Listen, when an orange tree wants to grow oranges, it doesn't just hunker down and try real hard to produce oranges, does it? It does what it was naturally created to do. So peace can be a wonderful indicator in our lives of whether or not we have strayed off of one of God's path that he has for us. Because if an orange tree produces orange fruit just by simply existing in the ground and producing what is naturally created to, to produce, the same thing in our life is as we are intimate with the Holy Spirit, one of the things that is produced in our lives, and that's why I say this Christmas, choose joy and peace and love and choose time with family and choose the good things that God is presenting to us instead of all the running around and hustle and bustle and those type of things that we get into. It's the relationship with the Holy Spirit. Could it be we have spent more time pursuing the things we think will bring us peace instead of pursuing a relationship with the one who is the author of our peace? Because we pursue all these other things. And if we just would pursue an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, it produces peace in our lives. Intimacy produces. Everybody say produces. Produces. And, and I'd like to say I know exactly how that, how that plays out. I wish I could give you five steps to intimacy with the Holy Spirit, but I don't think that that would help too many people today because we, we love formulas and we love steps. And can I tell you, a lot of things in my life that I'm seeking God for, once I get into his presence, it just produces these things in my life. When I, when I set my heart to really seek him and to seek him above everything else, it produces these things. So peace is, is a product of being right with God ver, uh, vertically. 
And then secondly, peace is a byproduct of simple intimacy with the Holy Spirit. So when you wake up in the morning, you say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Help produce these things in my life. And you can choose that. Number three, peace is the umpire of our life. Amen? Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. You know, I, I one time when I, when I read that before in, in another passage, it talks about the peace of God that passes understanding. You know, I kind of thought that that's like a king sitting on a throne and it's ruling over all these things. But actually the verbiage there is quite interesting when it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. It's more like an umpire or a referee. A lot of things that, that Paul wrote was in relation to the things in the natural world that he knew people would understand and get. I love Paul's writings because they're very, they're, they're, they're deep, but yet they're simple enough to understand. So he used the Olympic Games, he used farming, he used soldiering. He used these things that people would see every single day of their lives to make a spiritual point. And my point today is, is that if, if, if we don't have peace about a situation, a person, or a circumstance, or a business deal, or maybe for young people in here today, maybe somebody you're dating. We try to teach our kids, let the peace of God rule in your heart. And that doesn't mean like a king on a throne. That literally means that the the peace of God can literally be an umpire or a referee in your life. How many have been sitting and talking to somebody, and you just walked away with just something right here? Anybody besides me? You just... What is that? That is the peace of God that is to be an umpire or something that says when you, when you go to play a game, if something's out of bounds, it's out of bounds. If, if, you know, you intercept the ball in the end zone and take it away from the offensive guy, but they replay it and they still don't overturn it. You know, the referees are there to keep the game in bounds. Your peace is there to help you stay in bounds and stay within God's parameters of peace. So what I'm saying is learn to follow the peace of God because we are led by the Holy Spirit. Those who are led by the Holy Spirit are the children of God. So let the peace of God, the Apostle Paul told us there's power in peace, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart, and it will guard your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, the word verbiage there is literally like a guard or a sentry or a garrison. And and what it's telling us is that when you're looking for peace, you can allow peace to be an umpire in your life about circumstances and situations that we are to be led by peace. We are to be led by peace. I tell young people all the time, is this God's will? Is this what I'm supposed to do? Am I supposed to stay with this person and get married? Am I supposed to move off into ministry? Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? And one of the main things I always tell them is, what is the peace in the situation? Do you have a peace about it? Do you have a peace about it? When fear and anxiety try to enter, when you know that you have peace about something, then what, what's the enemy going to do? He's going to try to come and get you in turmoil. Amen? He's going to try to come and get you pulled off of that peace. Number four, peacemaking is proactive and reveals our true identity. Peacemaking is, is proactive. When we talk about peace, we think of, again, the Blue Lagoon Tranquility. But Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Literally, being a peacemaker 
means that you literally have the DNA of your Heavenly Father. You have the DNA of the Holy Spirit inside of you when we become peacemakers. Not peace pursuers, amen? Not, not, not hopeful, hopeful, hope for peace. Whenever it's up to us, we should be at peace, the Bible says, with all people. Amen? But we have to step up and be the peacemakers sometimes and follow Jesus with all of our hearts because not only is peace an umpire, but peace will show us in our areas of our life that we haven't completely submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Peacemakers, peace is proactive, it's not passive. Those who make peace are those who carry the DNA of God. So peacemaking demands effort. Everybody say effort. Effort. Peacemaking may take effort on your part. Listen, we may drift apart in marriage. We may drift into financial chaos. We may drift into other things. Some churches even drift into a church split sometimes. But listen to me this morning. You will never drift into peace. You will not. You will never just naturally find yourself in a place of peace and, and the peace of God ruling in your heart. If those who make peace and pursue peace are the carriers of God's DNA, listen, if, if we're peacemakers and we carry God's DNA, then what does it say about people who are slanders and dividers? That's going to make you swallow hard again. Jesus said very clearly that blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. If you're a gossip, if peacemakers are the children of God, then the gossips and slanders may just be the children of the enemy. Are you hearing me? We need to be. We need to first focus on having peace with God. We need to produce peace through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that peace isn't something that's just going to come light itself on you. Sometimes you've got to fight for your peace. <laughs> And you have to be led by peace. You have to have that peace that passes all understanding at times. And and that's the thing about it. When you really give everything over to God, when you make your prayer and supplications, which prayer and asking God for things are two entirely different things according to the scripture we just read. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We just celebrated thanksgiving. And we can begin to thank God for what we don't even see yet. Amen? Because that's called faith. And so you're lifting the situation up to God. You're, you're, you're asking Him for something you have need of or asking Him for salvation for a family member. And then it says literally the peace of God that passes all understanding. You don't have to figure it out. It's produced by a miracle of faith in your heart. And that peace passes understanding. But if you go ahead and come this morning. Number five, you're, you're, you're going to love this one. Peace crushes Satan under our feet. (laughs) Stand with me today. We're going to worship for a few minutes, and this is how I felt led to end the service today, is making an invitation to anyone who would like to commit their life to Christ. And the, the, the place you may be in is you have turmoil just all around you constantly. You have situations and circumstances is just it's it's just chaos there's chaos there's things going on in your heart and your life that you're like i don't understand listen the first place that you have to look is am i at peace with god through faith in christ that's the first place you start because if you never set your peace on god and get that relationship right 
There will be no peace in all your other relationships because, again, peace is not running away from trials. It's not running away from difficulties. It's not running away from people. You're like, man, if I could just go live on that 100 acres where there's nobody within a 1,000 miles, I'd finally be able to have some peace. But that isn't true because once you get peace here and you have intimacy with the Holy Spirit, it produces peace in your life. And you can choose that peace in every circumstance. You can choose that peace even when you get the, 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 the bad report. You can choose that peace when, when maybe you've lost a job or you lost a loved one over this last year. I know the holidays are a very difficult season for a lot of people because they've, they've lost things over the last year two years. And it's a difficult time because you have memories of that. Listen to me. God wants to fill you with His peace today. Heading into the holiday season, we can choose that peace. But it says in Romans 16, 20, the God of peace shall soon crush Satan under our feet. As I close today, how many here today would say, I don't have, bow your heads. I don't have peace in my life. I don't have peace in my home. My week, I live in a place of continual anxiety and frustration. Would you just be honest and say that describes my life this morning? Just constant turmoil, constant anxiety, constant difficulty swirling all around me. I want to pray for you first that you just have turmoil and all these things going on. I believe that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is going to fill your heart this morning. Father, For those who raised their hand and were bold enough to say, I've got all this anxiety, I've got all this torment, I've got all this fear. And God, I'm right with you this morning. I know I'm right with you because your word says that if I repent, put my faith in you, you come and you forgive me and adopt me into your family. Listen, some of you are feeling like you're not a child of God because you have all these things going on around you. But hear the words of Jesus that in this world we will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Choose joy. Choose cheer. Choose peace this morning. Because peace is a person. And the Holy Spirit is here in a tangible way to fill your heart right now with peace. If that's you, just put your hands up in front of you like God's going to fill it. Because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to just give you a peace that passes understanding. You don't have to figure it out. But God can supernaturally do it. You at home, if you're listening, I pray this over you if this is you. Father, the the announcement in Luke 2, Lord God, of rejoicing in heaven and peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Lord, I declare that peace over hearts that are troubled, I declare that peace over minds that just are constantly worried and anxious on all the things going on in the world. Father, I pray that the very Prince of Peace would take up residence in that place in our lives and in our hearts today, God. Let that Prince of Peace rule amidst the torment and the difficulty and the things that they're living, the frustration. I hear that and feel that for some of you. Just... You walked into this room today so frustrated. Let that melt away in the presence of God right now in this moment. Let it just melt. And let the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your heart and guard your mind. Some of you, 
if you'd continue to keep your head bowed. Some of you are in the midst of a great battle. And here's what the battle is. It's called enmity with God. It's called, I am not right with my maker, my God, my Savior. I'm not right with him. So there's always going to be a battle going around, on around you until you make that right with him first. Because, again, peace is objective. It's, it's, it's a person. And when you get that relationship right, the peace that passes understanding can come into your life. So I want to ask this question this morning. Maybe everybody under the sound of my voice, you're at peace and right with God. You've, you've made that decision to follow him. You've made him Lord and Savior of your life. But there may be somebody here that has never surrendered everything to him. If you just say this morning, Pastor, I want to pray with you and give my heart and life to God. I don't want to be apart from God. I want to have peace with him this holiday season. No, better, no greater gift could you ever give to the Heavenly Father or to your family, I'm sure, than to get your life right and have that, have that peace with God this morning. Would you shoot up your hand and say, Pastor, I just need you to, I want to pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. There's a person that raised their hand, and as soon as I walked in this morning and I saw this person, I walked away and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, they're going to radically encounter me today. So, young person, I want you to know that God puts you here at the right time and the right place for this moment because the Lord's going to, he's going to flood your soul with peace this morning. He's going to flood your soul. You're going to walk out of here like you're, you're like you're walking on clouds because once you get right with God, there's no better feeling in the entire world. It's what the world is looking for, church. They're searching for peace. They're searching for contentment. They're searching for purpose, and it is all found in our God and His Word. So you four people that raised your hand this morning, I want you to know that when you pray this prayer, it is not just empty words. You're praying because the gospel is not mechanisms where you flip switches. It's a proclamation of peace on earth and goodwill towards men. God has goodwill towards you. He wants to bring you into His kingdom. He wants to father you and love you and show intimacy that will birth even greater peace than what you've ever experienced. Because I want to remind everybody under the sound of my voice today of this. For we as believing Christians, this world is as bad as it's ever going to get for us. But for those who are lost and those who are on the broad path of destruction, this world is as good as it gets for them. And our God has His arms open wide this morning calling people into a relationship with Him. So you who raised your hand, let's all pray this together this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I am not right with you. There's a wall of separation between myself and you. But I believe today that your son, Jesus Christ, tore down that wall. So Father, I come today and I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to wash me clean. I ask you to come into my life and change my heart. I believe that you came. I believe that you died. And I believe that you rose again. 
and that I can be saved. Jesus, save me. Jesus, fill me with your peace. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Those of you who prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, guess what? You are now a child of the living God. And you should have a desire to consume His Word, to be with God's people, and to be discipled, and to start this journey and move forward in faith. And surrounded by people that love you and surrounded by people that can encourage you towards good works, the Bible says. So do not forsake the assembling of yourself here together. We're here to help you. And as the pastor of this church, I'm always here for anybody that calls this church home. Amen? Amen. How many believe we're going to have a good Christmas season? Amen. Amen. I've got some great sermons lined up over the next few weeks. And, and you guys don't throw me out or stone me. But I told Leah the other day, I said, I'm going to head this direction. And she was like, are you sure people might get the wrong idea? But what's been on my heart is Advent. Is anybody familiar with the word Advent? Advent is something to where it's a, it's a church history. It's a church season. And really what I want this church to do is not to be so concerned about the lights and the trees and the gifts and the decorations or my vanilla bean Noel that I'm going to go spray my office here in just a minute because I'm going to be surrounded with all the Christmas stuff because I love it. I love this time of year. And you guys have permission to start listening to Christmas music again. (laughs) But when we meet together next week, I'm going to give you some things for every single day that you can focus your attention on the season that we're in and that you can have something in front of you during your devotional time to be able to focus our hearts on the real meaning for the season, and that's our Lord's birth that we celebrate this time of year. Amen? Because think about this. I want, to, I want to leave you with this thought. The, the cross, the burial, and resurrection is the linchpin of everything that we believe and everything that we have our hopes on for our salvation and our future. But if you really sit and ponder and think about that the God of heaven that created the very universe <laughs> came here for me and for you, left the glory of heaven and was born as a baby in a swaddling clothes and placed in a manger and grew up in the favor of God and man, walked this earth as the second Adam, sinless, innocent, baby boy born in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago. That's what we're to focus on. So I'm going to give you some tools this holiday season. And again, don't throw me out. We're not getting liturgical, okay? But I think, I, think, uh, I think the church was on to something for 2,000 years when they made this a very special time of year. And we have allowed consumerism and we've allowed those things to creep in. And let's just maybe back up and really refocus ourselves this holiday season. Amen? Amen. Let me bless you as we go. Heavenly Father, I pray that the people of God will be blessed as they come in and blessed as they go out. Father, your blessings are upon them continually. And Lord God, I pray today that you would turn your face towards them and you would give them peace and give them rest. That your face would literally shine upon them this coming week. Father, we pray. For those who, many who are traveling from all over back home, Lord, would you extend them traveling mercies and put your angels around about them. Bring them back to the appointed place and time as we gather together this week on Wednesday. Father, we love and praise you and give you all the glory. I bless Christian Center Church today. Keep them safe. Keep your angels around them until we come back. In Jesus' holy name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Go in the name of the Lord. Be blessed today. I love you all. Nobody's told you they love you. Your pastor loves you.
If you need anything, holler.